Whether you have a general interest in health and wellness, or you are already a medical professional, we're here to provide you with tools and resources to make informed decisions about your health. This is House Call, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Here, our expert providers will provide you with wellness tips, information, and general health advice. Thank you for listening. Did you know that 80% of sexually active people will contract human papillomavirus or HPV at some point in their lives? That is quite the startling statistic. I've brought in Dr. Kareem El-Sawi, a board-certified gynecologic oncologist at Hackensack Meridian Health, to give his expert insight onto this virus. Welcome, Dr. El-Sawi. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you for joining. Can you describe to me and our listeners what exactly HPV is and why it's so important to know about it? The HPV virus is a DNA virus that is sexually transmitted. It is responsible for cancers of the cervix, the vagina, the vulva, the anus, the penis, as well as oropharyngeal cancers, also known as head and neck cancers. They're also responsible for some common issues such as warts. There's about 200 types of HPV viruses. Only about 40 of them uh, will affect the genital tract, and about 15 of those are responsible for the cancers we described. Otherwise, these uh, viruses will cause less common problems, such as papillomas of the larynx in neonates. Now, if I'm being completely honest, when I was taking my sex ed classes in middle school and high school, I remember touching on the topic of STDs. Now, I can rattle off several off the top of my head. You know, you have herpes, chlamydia, gonorrhea. But for some reason, I don't remember HPV. In your opinion, do you think this is a little bit of an overlooked STD? It may be, yes. Uh, The information that uh, we have been circulating amongst the public Uh, is certainly fairly um, new, and it especially came to light when new testing uh, came to the uh, forefront uh, that we now can combine HPV testing with the pap smear. The pap smear has been around for over 70 years. However, it's only in the last uh, decade or so that we started combining HPV testing along with the pap smear, and as the pap smear went through more advancements, and as the guidelines for screening went through more advancements, and that's when the public really started knowing and hearing about HPV. And then, of course, the next thing that happened was the development of the HPV vaccine, and now we're trying to um, teach people about the importance of it and about um, the public health Um, benefits from receiving the HPV vaccine. And so you're right in your um, assertion. And you did mention, just going back, that there are nearly 200 different types of HPV. Is that correct? Yes. And are there certain strains that are a little bit more risky, I guess, to the body than others? Or are they all kind of similar? How does that work? Yeah, definitely. Um, If you just look at the genotype or type 16 and 18, these two types are responsible for about 70% of cervix cancers. Now, there's uh, probably another uh, five types that you can add to them, uh, 31, 33, 45, 52, 58, 
And if you just combine those, you add another 20% of uh, cervix cancer responsibility to these uh, viruses. And so this is the uh, reason why we have now the vaccine that covers nine types. Now it covers seven high-risk types, which um, will cover the cancer-causing viruses. Uh, it also covers uh, um, type 6 and 11. And if you look at those, um, it they are responsible for about 90% of warts, wow. uh, genital warts. Um, and so, yes, we can definitely hone in on, on the most important types of uh, this virus and find a way to um, vaccinate against them and to prevent those diseases. And because this is an STD, obviously, that means sexually transmitted disease. Does it just take one time of unprotected sex to contract this virus? That's a hard question to answer, but generally speaking, yes, it does not need more than that. HPV is transmitted through skin-to-skin uh, contact, uh, through skin-to-mucosal contact, or uh, through mucosa-to-mucosa. So it is highly contagious. And this may be a little bit of an out-there question, but how long does this virus take to incubate in the body? The virus stays latent in the body. Most people will be able to fight the virus and will be able to resolve it within a year. However, in 20% of people, the virus stays in the body and replicates and starts causing uh, cell damage that will ultimately result in precancers and cancers developing. Wow. So now in those individuals who can fight the virus in a year, are there any symptoms or sometimes are there no symptoms at all? There are no symptoms at all unless you start developing severe precancer or cancer. Uh, the only way to pick up on the precancer or the cancer is through the screening tests that we have. You mentioned the pap smears, which is usually part of or is part of uh, an annual exam for women. Now, is this something that also men should be, uh, you know, weary of? And how would they get tested for that? There's no guidelines as of yet for uh, screening for penile uh, cancer only because of uh, the logistics of it would be very hard uh, in a uh, clinical setting in the general population. If you are diagnosed with HPV, what do you do? Do you go into full panic mode? I mean, how how would a doctor comfort and console and, you know, shine a light to a patient who just received this diagnosis? That's a really good question. And um, I see this a lot in my practice. And the answer is no, absolutely not. Uh, you shouldn't you, go into full panic mode, you mean, right? No. Okay. As you said at the top, about 80% of sexually active people will contract human papillomavirus or uh, the HPV virus uh, at some point in their lives before age 50. Uh, most of the time, you do not know when the virus was transmitted to the patient. You do not know who transmitted the, vi the virus to the patient. It does not pay to point fingers. It does not pay to worry and it does not pay to change your habits if they are within um, reasonable boundaries. Obviously, um, 
for people who um, have multiple sexual partners, then the risk is higher. Um, condoms w would be uh, at this point advocated, but they do not cause 100% protection. People are at risk if they have multiple sexual partners or if their partners have multiple sexual partners themselves. And so there is a risk that uh, is inherent um, with any sexual activity. And I can imagine this being a little bit of a touchy and fearful scenario, but if you are diagnosed with HPV, how do you suggest having that conversation with a future partner or even current partner? This is a good question. Obviously, as humans, we always want to be um, open with our partners. This is how partnerships last. And always be aware of two things, uh, safe sex and screening based on the guidelines that your doctor advise. Now, I kind of also wanted to touch and, you know, revisit the cancers. And I wanted to just throw some statistics out there that I thought was pretty fascinating for listeners. One article I read published by the American Sexual Health Association noted that more than 13,000 cases of cervical cancer are diagnosed in the U.S. each year. And if HPV is persistent past the age of 30, there's a greater risk of developing this cancer. And you also mentioned, just again as a refresher, you said anal cancer. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And what were some of the other cancers? Vulvar cancer, vaginal cancer, and head and neck cancer, oropharyngeal cancers. And are there any other health complications or risks that can be associated with HPV? As I mentioned as well at the top, uh, neonates born to mothers with the HPV can develop papillomas or warts uh, on their vocal cords. Genital warts are also a very big problem and very uh, common to see in HPV-infected men and women, not necessarily malignant, but a medical problem nonetheless that people seek treatment for because of various um, adverse effects of, of them. Thank you. And Dr. Alsawa, you mentioned that the best method of prevention is the vaccination. And I know in today's day and age, there's a little bit of an outcry and a debate when it comes to vaccinations. So how do you kind of break through that clutter and really be an advocate for these vaccinations? This is a vaccine against cancer. It is not a vaccine ag against sex. This is a vaccine that is for the individual health interest as well as for the public interest because there's also what we call herd immunity, meaning when you vaccinate boys, then the girls they get in touch with will not get uh, the infection. And so the protection will actually multiply by more than just the additive effect. Studies have actually been done and have shown that uh, sexual behavior in adolescents and teenagers does not change after they have received the vaccination. So we can assure people who have this uh, question in their minds that there are studies out there that show that uh, sexual behavior did not change. In other words, having received the vaccine did not lead to earlier onset of sexual intercourse or, pre or promiscuity. Ah, that's interesting. Are there certain ages that you should be getting this vaccination? And is there kind of a cutoff as to when you should absolutely not be getting this vaccination? So the um, 
Uh, CDC recommends that children get vaccinated around age 11 uh, or 12. They can start at age 9. There's a catch-up period between age 13 and 26. And this is per um, uh, FDA recommendations as well. Recently, the FDA has also approved catch-up vaccination up to age 47 for people who are at low risk, meaning people who have not yet started uh, sexual activity or people with very limited number of sexual partners, very low risk for, uh, for contracting the HPV. It is very, very important to stress that the vaccine works the best when it is received before the onset of sexual activity. And so vaccinating children from 11 to 12 years is what really going to make the most difference in their lives as individuals and in the population at large. And so we urge very strongly that uh, every mother and father consider and talk to their physicians, pediatricians, primary care physicians about vaccinating their children at this age and before the onset of sexual activity. And is this a vaccination that you think pediatricians and primary care doctors are pushing? I would say we are definitely doing a better job. I would say there is room for improvement. Um, this is a shout out to every pediatrician and primary care physician to not be nervous about the um, social stigma, so to speak, because the science is out there that is supporting the use of the vaccine and supporting the benefits of the vaccine. Also, the vaccine has proven and shown in many studies to be very safe. Dr. Al-Sawi, are there any other statistics or facts or key takeaways that myself and listeners of this podcast should be aware of when it comes to HPV? As we uh, mentioned in tidbits, most people, about 80% of sexually active people, will contract the HPV virus. Uh, 20% of these people will uh, go on to develop precancer or cancerous lesions. These lesions uh, take about 20 years, 25 years to develop into a cancer. And these numbers are important to bear in mind because this stresses the importance of screening even after you have received the vaccination. Uh, it is important to know that the vaccine is effective about 97 to 100% of the time in producing the immune response needed to uh, confer protection. We do not yet know how long this protection lasts, but there are studies suggesting that it is long-lasting, and we do not know of a cutoff where this immunity stops occurring as of yet. And so it's a very effective and very safe vaccine that protects about 97 to 100% of the time against the HPV virus, which is responsible for most cervical cancers, about 100%, 90 to 100% of cervical uh, cancers, and possibly about 70% of vulvar cancers, 60, 50 to 60% of vaginal cancers, about 100% of um, uh, anal cancers as well, and about 60% of penile cancers. And so it's a very, very uh, effective tool to prevent against those cancers having received the vaccination. 
have to be completely honest, all of these numbers that have been thrown out and even doing my own research, it, it can be a little fearful um, for people who I think are doing their research in terms of what HPV is, how to prevent it, what are some of the potential complications you can face. But I appreciate you kind of breaking this down in a very easy to understand manner and for just clarifying some ambiguous things that you know might be looming in terms of HPV. So thank you, Dr. Elsawi. You're welcome. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, submit your ideas on hmh4u.org backslash podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Asked For It special episodes. That's all for today. Until next Wednesday, thanks for listening. All participants on the Health You podcast have willingly and openly shared their stories. They have not been paid or incentivized for sharing. The views expressed by our guests solely belong to them and are not necessarily aligned with Hackensack Meridian Health.